Welcome to What If. I'm your host, Kirimus Sakni, and today we have got Dr. Maxi Borsha with us. Maxi, thanks for being here with us. Uh, Maxi is a doctor, yoga teacher, and burnout coach. So maybe you can tell a bit about yourself and what kind of doctor you are, and then we take it from there. Yes, thanks for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm a doctor and I specialized in psychiatry and psychotherapy. I'm a yoga teacher for Hatha Yoga. And uh, I just did a specialization in uh, burnout and uh, I have a focus for treating patients with burnout and anxiety and uh, depression disorders. Okay. How did you got into medicine? Were you even as a child interested in it or how did you? Oh, you were? <laughs> yes. It was the first thing that came to my mind. I've always wanted to be a doctor and I always wanted to help people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I ended up uh, doing that what I really love. Wow. And why? Were your parents also doctors or how did you knew um, that even as a child? <laughs> yeah. So my grandpa was a doctor. He died w uh, when I was very young, but um, I think I got a little bit of a influence from him. Okay. Yeah. What kind of doctor was he? He was a doctor for internal medicine and radiology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what did you do? Where did you study then? So I studied in uh, Frankfurt and I really loved Frankfurt and the time here. And uh, then at the end of the studies, I uh, went to Australia and uh, to Switzerland and that's what I ended up. So I'm living in Switzerland now and I'm uh, practicing there. And at the where? Uh, it's in Baden, so it's between Basel and Zurich. Yeah. And what kind of is the hospital or where do you? Uh, it's an outpatient base, um, so um, I'd see patients like kind of a general practitioner, I do an appointment and then they come to my place and uh, yeah, that's and what I do. Cool. And why did you focus on burnout as well now? Um, because I think it's a very important um, symptom in the um, society and it's getting even more and more. Although it's not an official diagnose yet, <laughs> I think it's a uh, very important uh, thing we have to uh, consider because they are more and more stressed and uh, more and more exhausted. Okay. And you're focused actually also on depression and anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, what, what were some of your learning so far in that? Yeah, so that uh, depression is not like another depression. So it really depends on the uh, person, like the characteristic of the person. There are people that are really, really in, in like a little bit more outgoing. They cry a lot and they feel really overwhelmed and um, they really seek the help. They want to come to me like almost every day. And there are some people that uh, really kind of not allow themselves to cry or they say they say that they're like so deep in the depression that they really can't even cry anymore because they feel like kind of a stone inside, like really no feeling, a really empty numb. It's, um, it's really different and um, they all suffer, but it... Um, it looks different from the outside. Oh, wow. Yeah. So is one of your goals to bring the patients closer to their emotions again? So they get away from the numb? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do you do that? Um, so uh, it depends on how deep they are in a 
um, depression. Sometimes it's or often it's kind of an avoidance, so they don't want to feel the pain and the sadness. Um, so what I do is, first of all, I um, want them to kind of accept the situation because when they're fighting against the situation all the time, it's really energy draining and they really can't going forward because they are like stuck at the, in the moment. And so by accepting the situations, they can look a bit further. Okay, I, I really do uh, need help and I really have to allow myself to get help. Otherwise, uh, it's getting nowhere. And then we're looking with, um, of course, what can they do in the moment when they are in a depression and on the other side um, when they're a little bit more stable what um, has brought them into that situation or what um, made them having uh, same experience over and over again in their life oh wow okay and when they're in that phase where they actually go deep into that emotion which painful right yeah how do they usually handle it do you help them with that or yeah um, so depends on how they really can regulate their emotions. Some people, mm -hmm. they're really um, like really distanced from their emotion as kind of a protection mm -hmm. because um, they are afraid to feel that feeling again. So I explain them uh, that is kind of normal to to feel, for example, sad if you um, have someone you love and then you have a um, experience that the relationship just broke up. For example, um, when they were a child, um, their mom or their dad left them. So uh, even in the uh, actual relationship, there are like kind of um, fearing that this will happen again or if they um, if a friend then broke up, they're really, really deep, deep sad. So it's like they relive their experience from the past so that we kind of get into that, okay, um, what was that situation when they were a child and what is the difference now and what would they have needed when they were a child? And um, so we have a look in, on that, what, what happened in the past, but as well now, what, what can they do now to manage their emotions? Like, for example, just letting them out or um, writing down or if what kind of emotion is it? Is it like real deep sadness or is it like anger that they, I don't know, do like sports or mm -hmm. kickboxing or um, if it's good for them to... Um, do like a meditation for um, allowing them to let go of the past, for example, wow. or what can they have like a little bit of a sense? Um, what can they learn from that situation to have um, an outlook uh, on the future? Okay. Do, do a lot of your patients then also cry in your uh, praxis? Um, yes, they do. And um, 95 Five percent feel weird or ashamed, and they they apologize for that. But I always say that um, I'm actually think it's a sign of uh, trusting me. So um, it's it's not that I'm but that I'm happy, kind of. Yeah. But I think it's it's a sign of relief, a sign of trust. So for me, it's normal, and I I always tell them like, hey, where when not here, is it allowed and it's good for you? So you can be just... Mm. Okay, I understand. While you are in the moment. And yeah. what are the difference between depression and anxiety? Mm -hmm. 
So um, depression is a, a symptom that you have, you're, you cannot really feel joy anymore, you feel sad or numb or really restless inside, you feel exhausted. And um, yeah, it has to be at least uh, two weeks uh, for the same um, intensity. And most of the time, the people, they have sleep disorders. They have like rumination all the time. And they feel low in self-esteem. And they um, feel insecure as well. And um, when you have an anxiety disorder, um, the anxiety is in the focus. The, so um, people can have like a phobia, for example. They, um, they are afraid of heights, they're afraid of um, spiders, or they have like a general anxiety problem. So they're like worrying all the time about what might happen negative in the future or to them, to the children, to the world, to like everything. Mm, <laughs> so okay. they yeah. And burnout? Where do you see burnout in that? So burnout, it's uh, not officially a diagnose, like a main diagnose, mm -hmm. um, but it's a circumstance where you have like a really big exhaustion in like emotionally, physically, like in, in every aspect where you really develop kind of a cynical um, stages towards your life, towards your family. Um, so that it's um, it's it's really energy draining and it's really um, it's really affect um, for example your um, body as well because you really can't uh, concentrate anymore and you really do a lot of mistakes but most of the time the people they they don't really notice it like they they are the kind of personality most of the time that they say like well um i have to function it's 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 not allowed to uh mm. <laughs> not uh, take this task so i'm just continue 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 and even if they can't really focus and concentrate and and they can't really like getting to a conversation because they they don't have a new more right. uh, anymore then most of the time the um, the other colleagues have to tell them like, hey, come on, something is, is not okay. Like you do a lot of mistakes and would it be good if you have a little bit of holiday or would you go to have see a doctor? Okay. And uh, if you can't really regenerate after, I don't know, like two weeks of holiday or something, then it's like a warning sign, like a big warning sign okay. <laughs> if you can't really yeah, sure. regenerate. And is it like that they have certain characteristics, those people who have burnouts, or are they mostly in fast-paced work environments? Or where do you find people with burnouts usually? And are there more and more people with burnout these days and compared to earlier days? Yes, I think the the numbers are rising <clears throat> and uh, because of different factors, of course, um, like the World Health Organization, they see uh, burnout um, mainly related to a job situation. Um, but what I see as well is that the same symptoms they can have uh, women who have a part-time job but has to take care of the kids alone and uh, uh, take care of her mom because um, she's lying in bed all the time, for example, or it's in hospital. It's like an it's like uh, like an overwhelming situation where you don't have the energy to get along with many different areas of your life. So it's not only related to work, um, mm. but um, it's um, mainly recognized in in that environment where you really have an, an high pace in work and where you really had a, have a lot of 
um, things to do and uh, for people that have um, really high standards for themselves and really like uh, more perfectionist <laughs> guys mm -hmm. and girls. Yeah. Okay. And now to coming to the what if question. So what if mental health was treated like physical health? What do you think that would mean? So I would think or I would hope that there would be less stigmatism throughout the society and uh, there would be more awareness and mindfulness um, to the whole society and uh, the doctors and the industries so that the people would feel less ashamed if they feel overwhelmed or having a lot of conflicts and they don't get along with it. So that they don't judge themselves really hard if they can't function <laughs> that uh, well. And I would hope that it's um, it's getting um, less with this phenomena in society that it's kind of normal to be stressed. So it's more suspicious that if you don't um, feel stress in your job, then you probably have like there's a really, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there's something wrong yes. or you're kind of lazy or right. uh, you don't have an important job, right? Because mm. otherwise you would be stressed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, so I would hope that uh, the people would be more aware of what they can do to prevent their uh, mental health uh, problems. So um, if you have a um, physical health problem, then the people, um, they, they are more aware of what they can do. For example, if your doctors say, well, oh, there's a little bit high of a blood uh, sugar level in your um, mm -hmm. blood, so you should take care of that. So m most of the guys, they ring a bell, okay, I should decrease my sugar intake. But if um, they feel sad or exhausted or they feel sleep deprived, um, most of the time they don't really seek a doctor. And when they do, then um, sometimes the general practitioners as well, they say, okay, uh, let's have a little bit of a look or um, you can do this and this and this. And so the people, they don't know mm. from themselves really what to do. And so I okay. hope this would be more aware. And why do you think there is a stigma around mental health in society? Mm, I think because many people, they don't really know what it is to have a mental illness or how the people think or they associate mental illness with um, somebody who is like kind of crazy <laughs> or if they hear voices or something. So um, when they would know what kind of different physical and psychological illnesses they are, um, they would be less um, stigmatized. I hope so, because everything that's unknown, they would um, like it's, it's normal to have um, to avoid that because from a evolutionary side, you really need safety and security. Mm. <laughs> so everything that's new and unknown, you would rather avoid it. Right. <laughs> Do you, do you think like if you look at it from a gender specific area like man, is there even more stigma from men having mental health issues and talking about it? Is that like kind of a taboo? It's not masculine enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
Um, we see more women in our outpatient uh, base that seek more help from themselves. Like they come to us and want to seek help. And uh, the men... But that's because women are smarter than men. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you said. Um, but uh, yeah, I think they're a little bit more aware. And for them, it's it's more okay kind of to seek mm -hmm. help. Because for women, it's, it's more that they chat about everything together so and and man they're not that talkative when they have a problem mm. <laughs> most of the time and um so they try yeah. to solve it for themselves more right? yes yes okay why do you think that's the case hmm I think I would have to ask an uh, evolutionary uh, psychologist for that. <laughs> so it <laughs> okay. would be really, really interesting to know that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And what would be the outcomes for work in general and companies if mental health was treated like physical health? So would people even be more often ill and not coming to work? Or would it even help the companies to be more productive? How do you see it? I think if there would be uh, more awareness towards um, mental health, then the people um, would get earlier treatment and um, they would uh, be less ill. And so the company, they would have, um, on the long term, they would have a, a better relationship and a better efficiency from the employees. Yeah, that makes sense. And ha what happens in the brain if you compare like mental health and physical health? Is there like a big difference for the brain and the pain it goes through? Or how do you see it? So studies uh, showed that if you have physical pain and if you have mental pain, it's kind of a similar area. Um, but um, from the um, mental health, what we talk about, like depression and anxiety, um, the hypothalamus hypothesis is that you have a disbalance from the serotonin and dopamine and uh, noradrenaline um, neurotransmitter, like the signals in the brain. <laughs> so um, that is um, what they found out. So that's the difference. Can you explain that a little bit better? Yeah. So um, the hypothesis is that's why they create the medication like that, that uh, you have too little serotonin and noradrenaline uh, between the neuron cells. Mm. So they they communicate kind of less. So the medication, what they do is um, they um, inhibit the reuptake from the neurotransmitter between <laughs> the neurons so that it uh, it's longer in between the neurons, so it has longer time to um, to show their um, um, their effi efficiency. Okay, understood. <laughs> that makes <laughs> so a lot of sense. So, um, so is there a lot of research being made currently between the body mind relationship then as well? So yeah, there are a lot of studies uh, in the mind-body medicine, kind of how you can um, treat um, physical and mental health problems with not only medication, but with uh, things that um, like a complementary uh, medicine or uh, movement or uh, diet. Mm. Mm -hmm. What kind of diets would you see currently being tested there? So it should be um, kind of a plant-based diet, but um, that you still have uh, organic 
best of organic <laughs> meat and fish um, so you don't have all the pesticide and stuff um, and you should not have that high sugary um, intake because they uh, made a study as well that the sugar intake can increase ADAD symptoms, for example, with kids. So if you have like this uh, sugary peaks, then it makes you more nervous, for example, and you um, can't really uh, concentrate. So it should have like a little bit of a lower sugar intake and um, good fat acids. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm currently doing the ketogenetic diet where you have mm -hmm. a lot of fat and I think not that much carbs mm -hmm. and I have to feel I feel so much better now being in month three. You can really see like which impact it has on you when your blood sugar isn't playing roller coaster all day long. Mm -hmm. Have you mm -hmm. uh, tried that at all? For example, I've seen other people have been using the ketogenetic diet. Mm -hmm. So um, I have not tried it 100% um, because for me, I, I really do love carbs and no, I, I only do good carbs. So I eat like beans, lentils, uh, rice, uh, corn that have like a longer, um, uh, longer carbs. So they're not so easy to digest. Mm. And for me, it's, it's important because otherwise my metabolism should just shuts down. Mm. Uh, I feel like uh, more cold and I, I really can't uh, have that energy level that I would <laughs> like. Right. So I try to avoid like normal sugar, but um, I do it carbs. I have to say I cut carbs mostly out of dinner because I found out that um, if I do eat carbs for dinner, um, it's just not good for me. I sleep bad and I gain weight. <laughs> right. So um, what I found out for myself is that intermittent fasting, it's a good uh, method for me to stay healthy and fit. I, I don't know if you have sure. heard about that, but it's that you don't eat, eat only eight hours a day and uh, the rest of the time you leave for uh, digestion and uh, relaxation right. and so that your organism don't have to um, put the energy into your digestion all day long wow. but only like eight to ten hours. Yeah, I think I've heard <laughs> that in one of the Tim Ferriss shows where he interviewed a lot of people who do intimate fasting and mm -hmm. there are people who do even like one, it's got, I think it's called OMAD, one meal a day where they only eat like okay. for dinner. I think they do it in the military or something and they see what impact it has. Mm -hmm. But I think that is something that I've been doing also while doing ketogenic diet. It's mm -hmm. been, I've just cut out breakfast. Mm -hmm. And because you feel like you have to do breakfast because people tell you breakfast is so important. But I think questioning the status quo sometimes helps, right? Yeah, Being of course. More critical. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think eating uh, healthy is is very important for you and eating to that time when you feel like eating and not where is socialized to eat for example mm. um, when I was young then we had like breakfast and lunch and dinner and that was like a certain time and I found out in the end that it wasn't really the time for me that I now eat and I mean it's it's a socialized thing if you go to Indonesia or something they just eat around all the time and right when they are hungry and not when it's time to eat kind of <laughs> <laughs> right. so I think it's 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 better for a healthy development and more awareness towards yourself mm. that you eat and drink when you're really hungry when right. you're really thirsty right 
Um, to come back to the what if question, what if um, mental health was really like physical health, do you think on a society level that would also mean that more people would even talk about their emotions, men and women? Um, yes, I think so. So it would be um, less a taboo if you're not so happy or not so okay. Mm -hmm. So that the people would be um, more into that action. Okay, what can I do that I that I feel uh, happier? How can I create happy moments for myself, for my family, for my kids? What is it that I really love? And do do I have time at the moment for that? And if I don't have time, why? <laughs> do I work too much? Do I care too much? Or <laughs> what is? Wow. What is it? And where do you think that would lead if people are more emotional or if you see more men crying, for example, even in public mm -hmm. or with their colleagues, mm -hmm. um, I mean, men and women, mm -hmm. where do you think that would lead? Would it lead to more empathy as well? Would it help society when everyone would be more open about their feelings? Yes, I think so. It would be more uh, would be more a feeling of um, mm, being like together, like so helping each other, being more connected, mm -hmm. because uh, not judging it as a weakness. I think it would be a good step a good forward, step. right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you think there is being doing enough to get there to make mental health treated like physical health? At the moment, I would be happy if... Um, or are uh, you alone on that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's getting a little bit more and more aware and it's getting into the uh, head of the people. But there's still a lot of work to do, I think. So um, what I think uh, would be important if you would have more of a screening tool or... Um, even if the people, if they would be more aware of how they feel and if they're really interested in themselves and and, and if they would not judge mm. themselves as egoistic but as self-care, if self-care and self-love would be something to achieve. Because now when I ask somebody, like, do you love yourself? They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Me? Never. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's a little bit weird. But I, I think, like, you really have to love yourself first and then you can love some oh. other people and they can, right. you can care. You can only care about other people if you care about yourself. Okay. So so how do you treat mental health usually? Like, can you give us like a one, two, three step guide? Is it even possible? I mean, everyone is very individual, but is there like <laughs> yeah. a certain way how people should think about mental health and how to treat it? Mm, so in general, you can say that... Um, you should really care more about yourself. Like, what kind of thoughts do I have? What kind of emotions do I have? Many people, they are not aware of how they, for example, treat themselves internally and how they speak to themselves. And if you would record it, it would be pretty, pretty dramatic because they're judging themselves all the time and they say like, oh, I did that wrong and no, no, no. So it would be very important if they are more aware about how they treat themselves and if they are really a critic to themselves and how they can develop like a little bit more positive attitude, like being a best friend mm. to yourself. And um then uh, it's important. I always call it date with yourself so that you really prioritize yourself, that it's really important that you don't have um, appointments like, uh, I don't know, like 
going grocery shopping, bringing the kids to this and this, or um, helping um, another, but helping yourself as well. Like, what is it that I really like? I don't know, like going to the hairdresser, having a bath, um, going, I don't know, in the in the forest, having a... Um, having a little walk, you know, they found mm. out that nature is a really, really good thing to calm down. Like they even showed that the cortisol level in the saliva was really reduced when you go into the forest. And um, there is even a Japanese word for that. Um, it's called um, forest bathing or something. It's uh, shirin-yoku. I'm very sorry for the Japanese guys if I pronounce it correctly, but I asked the Japanese friends how to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, I think there are there is little things that you can do that that really improves um, right. health. But awareness is the, the first step. Wow. I do also the forest bathing. I didn't know the impact, but it helped me so much. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. You go in nature and you come back and you feel so relaxed. So I think mm -hmm. I like the approach that you have, like having a date with yourself where you really think, even reflect about yourself and get tr more transparency about your thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Something that I do was when I have a workshop with people on uh, mindset design, where I ask them to write down their habits on a daily basis. So what kind of habits exist in your life? But it's interesting to also go into more emotional level. So what is your inter internal communication, right? Because mm -hmm. once you have a more, if, if you have mirrored for yourself, you see, oh my God, that's what I'm saying to myself. So uh, how do you think people can actually write down their own internal communication? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's what I am. Uh, but how, how should they do it? Uh, how? Um, yeah. I mean, if, if, if you're aware um, how you communicate with yourself, uh, you can write that down or even write down, okay, what would be a positive impact for that? Not for judging me, but for being more, more nice to me, like um, saying, okay, perhaps this is not the outcome that I wanted, but it's not only me or right. it's not that I'm wrong, but it's it's just another outcome and I did my best to see and to, to value themselves. So more. they have to observe themselves to understand what they communicate with themselves, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I also have heard, maybe you can say if it's true or not, um, if you have a certain feeling like being sad mm -hmm. or even being happy, just to mention, or more the negative ones, if you uh, sp speak it out, it helps you to um, understand the feeling better. If you say, I'm sad, mm -hmm. then you know, oh, that's what's happening. Otherwise, you're not doing it on a conscious level, but a subconsciousness level, right? Mm -hmm. So if you say, I'm sad, then first you allow yourself to have that feeling. So you're not fighting against that feeling. That's a big step. <laughs> sure. And uh, as well, what, I helps, uh, what it helps is that if you're not saying, well, I am sad, because then you, you are that feeling kind of. It's like sucked into you but when you say okay i try to observe that feeling like i'm the person like i'm maxi and i have the feeling of sadness so it gives you a distance towards that feeling so that you don't feel that overwhelmed anymore and that's what i what i practice as well okay fantastic i, I think we can see there's a lot of benefit that would happen if uh, mental health was really like physical health but would you see even that you're trying to get it there if there would be a negative side, if both would be the same? Hmm. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I think it's, 
it's good if if you are paying awareness and mindfulness to everything that um, that can happen to remind in your body because it's so it's so um, together like you can't really divide it and many of the physical illnesses they are caused by mental illness as well because if you're feeling like really 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 stressed then it's you as well that interpret the situation as a stressor right mm. because many people they are put in the same different uh, same uh, situations they act differently okay yeah. and you're also a yoga teacher maxi mm -hmm. um where do you see the impact for yoga but also meditation for mental health mm -hmm. so i think uh yoga and meditation is very good to prevent and even um treat mental health of course with with other uh things as well because if you do meditation then you practice the mindfulness or being an observer and you really uh practice as well to not judge yourself all the time so um, you really reflect yourself more and um, really can um, make your uh, thoughts and feelings more transparent so you understand yourself better. And um, then uh, it's easier as well for me as a therapist <laughs> to help them. Yeah, And uh, there are studies as well shown that if you practice meditation for a long time, then... Um, the centers of the brain that regulates uh, the stress and the emotions, they got um, um, uh, kind of different um, so that you can handle stress better and uh, you're not getting emotionally um, that reactive. So you have, if there is a, like a signal and then you have the reaction immediately normally, it's like more unconscious, you just react. But if you practice meditation, then you have the chance to take like a deep breath and to have the choice to um, um, to really have that reaction that you would like and not uh, be that reactive. Understood. And now looking forward, um, let's say for the next 10 years, what does have to happen that mental health and physical health will become equal more and more? What would be like the three main things that we have to do in society to get there and also to help you and your mission? So I think that everybody can um, can um, take themselves for an example and try to be um, nicer to themselves and to the other person. And um, if there is something that um, that is not functioning kind of that they don't judge themselves that hard. So I think that would be less stigmatized into in the society. And um, I think that if we develop um, a better understanding about that um, whole um, factors that influence health, uh, we can go to a better goal. And who should do that? Would it be doctors, leaders, CEOs? Who should be the ones who talk about that? So I think for me, it's always um, important that everybody takes responsibility for themselves. So because many people, they say, okay, hmm, my doctor or my my um, 
CEO should take care of my uh, working behavior and mm -hmm. stuff. And of course, they should do this as well because they have regulations as well that they should have a good um, atmosphere at work, that they should not have that workload. But I think the people as well should um, take care of yourself, of themselves and should stand up for themselves because... Um, Only if the people stand up for themselves and say, well, we would really need a lunch break or we would have a room for relaxation and meditate, I don't know, 15 minutes <laughs> in the afternoon and then we're more productive. Or if they have uh, the possibility to do, I don't know, like um, working from home or if they have different shifts sure. so that's more flexibility, mm -hmm. then, um, then the CEOs can... Um, can say okay or not so right. okay yeah. so first of all we have to become more aware of it and be more proactive in health and mm -hmm. not wait for someone <laughs> and second if you look at companies the company culture could have a huge play a huge role there yeah. where it's okay to be if you have mental health that there's no stigma around it mm -hmm. okay understood and coming to the last question now uh, that we always ask in the end um, for anyone who wants to become more aware of mental health um, so 10% more aware and someone wants to come 10 times more aware of mental health and what they can do, what would you recommend for both cases? So 10% more become aware and 10 times more. Okay. 10% um, more, I would say um, that you can sit down every evening and write down what are you thankful for, like three things, what are you thankful for? So that brings like a little bit more awareness of what was good in that day and 10 times more i would definitely recommend to um try to do a for the beginning guided meditation um like 10 or 15 minutes you can check out some apps um on youtube there is a lot of stuff english german like every every uh language so that you practice that um, and truly really take time for yourself um, at least every second day. I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so it's it's a high goal, but you asked me like 10 times more. <laughs> that's true. Wow. Uh, Maxi, that was a uh, very inspiring uh, conversation with you. I think there's a lot of interesting what-if questions, scenarios where we can go even deeper if, if mental health is treated like physical health when people become more emotional, man and woman talk about it. So there's more empathy development. And I think even on a global scale, it would help much more to prevent, uh, to prevent certain things that are going off right now in the world. Um, so yeah, let's have more open discussions about our emotions and our feelings uh, to get rid of the stigma. So Maxi, thank you so much and hope to see you soon then. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for inviting. <laughs>